before we do. How many were here last week, last Sunday? Powerful service, wasn't it? Spirit of God moved in a powerful way. And I wanted to just bring us up to speed on something. There was a tongue and an interpretation of tongues. <clears throat> and we met as a team and talked about it because the tongue did not get interpreted right away. And the spirit was moving in such a powerful way. Tina uh, Lenz was getting a, a word of encouragement at the same time that the tongue was coming. And what Tina did is she came up and shared a, a, an exhortation to the church. She was definitely hearing from God. Can I have an amen on that? But it wasn't the interpretation. And later on, it, it happened. So I just want to, I want everybody, I want us to grow in, the, in tongues and interpretation of tongues is what we're trying to do as a church. I'm thankful that that, 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 that we uh, operate in the things of the Spirit, aren't you? Amen. And I just wanted to let you know what the interpretation of the tongue was last week. Because our prophetic team, they capture prophetic words, they capture the activity of the Spirit, and then they share it. And I just wanted to share what the Lord said through that tongue because I didn't want it to get missed because we had an exhortation right after the tongue and instead of an interpretation of the tongue. And we were all kind of awkward there, and everybody's going like, what's going on? It was a little awkward at the time, but this is what the Lord said. God says, I'm inviting you to a year of fun. He says, it will be like a roller coaster. Your stomachs may drop at times, but that's okay. They will come. They will come back. This ride will be a ride. We will be a wild ride. Mark your calendars. Have a, I have a great destiny for you. I'm calling you up higher. I'm calling you up higher to see what you have not seen. Stop looking at the dot. Put your chin up and look a little further. See what I want you to see. See, hear what I want you to hear and know what I want you to know. If you want, if you, if I don't want you to know it, you don't get to know. It's because I want to take you on a wild ride and you do not get to know everything all the time. Sometimes you just need to ride along with me and that's okay. It's a new year, it's a new destiny, it's a new ride, but I have a, pl a place for you to go and I want to have joy. I want you to have joy in the journey. I want you to have wisdom in the journey. <clears throat> you're going to have a you're you're going to be transformed in the journey. I and I alone transform you. You may inform yourself, but I am the one that transforms you. I see God on a Harley Davidson with big goggles, a scarf whipping in the wind, and he's laughing and laughing, having fun. That is what he wants for us even when obstacles come our way. He wants, to he wants you to remember we are on a wild ride with the Lord. It's going to be a great year. Do not give up hope. You have all the hope you will ever need. Step out of your safe zone and take a risk with the Lord because he has great things in store for you. Don't doubt yourself. Don't give in to that, says the Lord. Amen. So praise the Lord. That was the interpretation. I want to encourage you, take risks. This is a safe place to make mistakes. If you get a tongue, you feel like you have a tongue, come it over to the prophetic team, share it. They will discern when and if. And, uh, and God always provides an interpretation. You don't have to get scared. You don't have to worry. So many times we're you know, up there going, oh, God, just keep going to give the interpretation. No, God always gives the interpretation, and it's a safe place to take a risk. Amen? Aren't you glad God's speaking? And sometimes we hear in part. Sometimes we see in part. Sometimes we don't have the full picture, but it's okay to take a chance. Amen? All right. That's all I wanted to share. Hi, Karen. How are you? Good, 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 good. 
So Karen and I, as I said, are going to tag team today's message and because uh, I really need a lot of help. But it, <laughs> thanks, Connie. <laughs> Connie said, yeah, you do. Uh-huh. That's why we have the Holy Spirit, amen, of our wife. But earlier in the week, Karen and I were talking about Luke chapter 12, which is where we're at. I hope you're, I hope you're going with us as a church on our reading plan. I know one chapter a week is not enough for you to intake. This is just one area that we're going through as a church. I hope you're reading more than that in the Bible. But Karen came to me and she shared a message on Luke chapter 12 and she sent it to me. And then we were talking about it. And it was very obvious that the Spirit of God wanted to tag team us together on chapter 12. And so that's what we're going to do today. And uh, what we've done is, and it's neat how the Lord has done the service already, uh, the title of the message is Slaying the Giant of Fear and Worry in Your Life. Slaying the Giant. In the song we sang today, remember that uh, there, there was a the phrase in the song about uh, He's still taking down giants. And, and God wants to take down some giants today, this morning, when it comes to fear, worry, and anxiety. How many is in for that ride? Amen. It may be a wild ride, but we're in it for a ride. And I'm, I'm really proud of my wife because when I said, you know, honey, I'm just sensing that you're supposed to tag team with me. And normally, worry and fear would, would get a hold of her. And she would say, uh, let me think about that and pray about it. But what she did is she goes, yes, I'm in right away. And so I praise God for my wife. And I thank God that she's going to tag with me. And we're going to share a little bit on a journey of what God has taken us through us through this week. In, in Luke chapter 12, as we are on this treasure hunt. Again, I talked about last week about how um, we are on a geocaching with God when it comes to his word. We're to be going into his word with wonder and, and excitement about, God, what are you going to show us? So what we're going to do today is we're going to share some things about what the Lord put on our hearts as we read Luke chapter 12. And I believe that God is going to give us some authority today to break the neck and the giant of fear, worry, and anxiety. Anybody wants some freedom from that? Because I don't know about you, it always pursues you. And I remind you today that the spirit of fear is a spirit a demonic spirit that seduces, and you have to be wise in your warfare. You have to be wise in your life on how you deal with that spirit of fear, that spirit of worry and anxiety and the pressure, the stress that comes on us when the enemy tries to take you down. We have to have some weapons in our arsenal on what we're to do in order to be free from that spirit. Because I'm telling you today, God does not want you to manage fear. That's what therapists say, manage your fear and your anxiety. I'm telling you, God wants to set us free. Let me hear an amen. Amen. So as I dove into the word worry, this is what worry means according to the Webster's Dictionary. I'm going to get into some other stuff later. But worry is to give way to anxiety or unease. Give way, or could I say give into anxiety or unease, to allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or perceived trouble. I'm going to repeat that. To allow your mind to dwell on difficulty or perceived trouble. 
know, what I find interesting about fear is usually when I get worried about something, it hasn't even happened yet. I'm only anticipating what could happen. I've, I've seen other people teach the acronym FEAR is actually false expectations that appear real. So let me ask you a question. If you were at work and your boss came up to you and said, hey, I'd like to talk to you in my office, what would go through in your mind? I'm going to get a raise. I'm going to get a promotion. Where does your mind begin to wonder? Honest. Okay, hey, hey. I got a lump in my neck, uh, an unusual lump in my neck. What begins to go in your mind? Say it. Fear. Fear begins to try to seduce you immediately. Worry begins to begin to press in on you, right? Well, as I was talking with Karen earlier this week, and one of the things I've discussed with many leaders within this church, it seems like even in the younger generation, fear is at an all-time high. Our young people seem to be dealing with fear and anxiety even at a greater rate. There is, and I did look up some statistics, and there is some alarming things that are happening in the mental health and what's going on. But a spirit of fear is really trying to seduce the young generation and all generations. But it seems like the enemy has had some authority with the young generation I say we need to take a charge of today. Some of the symptoms of worry, whether you're young or old, is trouble concentrating and making decisions. How many of you uh, have test anxiety? You're getting ready to take a test and the fear of, of failure and the fear of messing it up actually messes with your concentration and messes with you on your ability to think, on your feet. Some other symptoms are fear, feeling, feeling irritable and tense or restless. Some of you are going to your spouse and say, man, you must be worried all the time because you're irritable all the time. Nausea and irritable bowels. There's some people when it comes to getting in worry and fear, they get a nervous stomach and they actually don't eat. And then there's some of us that get in worry and fear and we eat everything we see. I like the message that Karen sent me. She said, yeah. She said, uh, when you're stressed and you're in worry, and he said, the stress is dessert spelled backwards. And so you just want to eat when you're under worry and fear. <laughs> what are some other symptoms? Heart palpitations, increased heart rate, sweating, shaking, a sense of danger, panic, or doom. And what is it that most Americans actually worry about? Things that aren't even going to happen yet, possibly. But here are the, some of the top things that Americans worry about. Money, the future, our relationships and family, job security, our health. Here's a big one. What others think and our past. The top things that teenagers 
Teenagers, this is what they say about you. Tell me if it's right. The biggest thing you guys worry about is body image. Peer pressure. Fitting in. Homework and grades. Failure. Mental health and self-esteem. Here's a big one Tom taught on this years ago. FOMO, the fear of missing out. Everybody else is doing all things. I'm missing out on something. Family and relational issues. And the big one for uh, teenagers is their future. Work, college, what will I do with my life? Anybody else can relate to any of that there? Okay, good. Now here's what I'm going to do. I'm trying to build need and I'm trying to create what fear is and what worries about and how we, our natural response to fear is, because what our natural, what I would say outside of God, natural, of how we deal with worry and fear is there are four typical ways that psychologists say that the typical person deals with fear, and it's fight, flight, freeze, and now there's a fourth one, fawning, fawning. Yeah, I'm going to explain it just here briefly. So when fear comes at you, when you start to feel overwhelmed, when you start to get anxiety and, and pressure starts to build, you either fight your way through it. Anger is really a, uh, is, is fear in disguise. Anger is fear in disguise. You'll get angry and you'll push people away. You'll push whatever you're afraid of. You get angry and you assault it you get, and, and you do whatever you can to push that fear away. Flight is you escape from the fear. You flee as quickly as you can from it. Freeze is being still and quiet until the threat of danger is, is gone. You get quiet. There's even people who freeze in such a degree that their vocal cords are seized and they can't even speak when fear gets a hold of them. And then the fawning is... You try to please whoever is triggering the fear around you. And you go into this thing where you try to please the offender, the please the person that is, make, is, is producing the fear around you. And that is four ways that your typical response to fear, that is your natural response, your flesh is response to fear. But God says what? I want something different from my people who are called by my name. I want to correct that response, the natural response to fear. And I want to slay the giant of fear and worry and anxiety in your life. And I want to give you a new and transformed mind. I want you to handle it differently than the world does. You are not of this world. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Can somebody please say amen? amen. Fear and worry is not the way that the Lord wants us to respond to difficulty, to troubles, to whatever comes our way. He doesn't want you to manage it. He wants you to destroy it. Now, I understand. Let me say, you know, a fear of a rattlesnake is a real thing. I don't want you to get bit by a rattlesnake. There is a healthy fear. Don't put your hand on a hot stove. It will burn you. I mean, we're not talking about how God protects us through the fear response, okay? 
We're talking about the things that are nagging you when you go to bed and you can't sleep. We're talking about the things that you're worried about your kids and you're wondering what they're doing. We're talking about the fears of your finances and the things that eat you alive and you can't get your mind off of it. They're saying that teenagers, over 50% of our teenagers are dealing with fear and anxiety and pressure at least once or twice a week. Or it's consuming their thoughts. So, is anybody ready to slay a giant of worry and fear in your life? Is anyone tired of that stupid giant? Well, Luke 12 this week gave us a picture from Jesus. And this is Jesus preaching and teaching. And we're going to dive into Luke chapter 12 on what did Jesus say when he says, do not worry. Did anybody pick that up in the reading this week? Luke 12 was a long chapter, but there was a passage in there where Jesus was teaching his disciples about worry. And here's, we're going to read it. And let's see what Jesus said about it. We're going to read this passage, and then I'm going to turn it over to my wife. And she's going to take you on a journey of what God began to show her through this scripture. But I just wanted to set the need and get us all on the same page. Because if you're ready to get through rid of the giant, you need to listen to us today. Amen? Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about, what you're, about, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider. Everybody say consider. Consider, consider the ravens. Ah! Ah! Consider them. They do not sow or reap. They're not on their perch going, oh my gosh, what are we going to do today? <laughs> Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or no barn like you have. Yet God feeds them. Why? Because they sit in Sean's barn that has doors wide open. <laughs> How much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Actually, you'll take them away. Since you cannot do this very thing, this little thing, why do you worry about the rest? And then he says it again. Everybody say, consider, consider. how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart, do not set your heart, do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it for the pagan who runs after all such things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Now before Karen comes up and shares, the first thing that stuck out to me was that word consider. Everybody say consider again. I had you repeat it several times for a reason. What do you think consider means? The Greek word katanoeo means to thoroughly contemplate, to wonder and give careful thought and consideration so that you can understand and comprehend something. 
It's to discover and to behold. Much like the treasure hunt that we talked about last week of geocaching with God, we're on a discovery. God was praying to, to, to bring the disciples to a discovery. They actually worried about food and shelter. They only had a couple robes in their wardrobe. They didn't have your refrigerator and your pantry that you open it up and go, oh, no, we are afraid of other things than what they were afraid of. But he's still trying to bring the disciples a revelation, and he's trying to bring us a revelation. And so in my mind, I'm sitting here going, consider, consider, ponder, thoroughly contemplate what the ravens are doing, contemplate what the, the, the flowers are doing. He's trying to paint a picture to the disciples of what he wants them to know. And so I looked up videos on ravens. I sat on my back porch. Karen on the way here, she heard a bluebird. They weren't out there going, what are we going to eat? What are we going to eat? <laughs> this spring, when the warm comes out, Karen's tulips and her flowers don't even have to be told to come out of the ground. Guess what they do? In the word contemplate, the root word, it means to look thoughtfully for a long time. How many looked at the word for a long time this week? How many thought to think profoundly or to meditate on a truth for discovery? How many did that this week? Jesus had a treasure. He wants us to have a treasure. And he wants us to slay the giant of worry in our lives. But we're going to have to go on a journey with the Lord and we're going to have to understand what worry is, why we worry, and how he wants us to deal with the worry. I'm, we're going to give you four things that you need to take notes today on what you need to do. You'll also have a picture at the end where you can take a picture of the four things. But you may want to jot down some notes in these four areas that Karen and I are going to go through that Jesus teaches us through this scripture. We're going to start breaking that down a little bit today to give you four ways that you can slay the giant of worry. Everybody welcome my beautiful wife to the floor, Karen Haler. All right, come on up, baby. So I have the sweaty palms <laughs> that he was talking about because I am afraid. afraid. Afraid of, am I going to make sense? Is this going to come out right? Is people going to get it? And so I'm back here. I, I look calm, but inside I'm like, okay, I've got to get my thoughts captive. I've got to say, okay, Lord, you're the one that's speaking through me. You're going to take care of the people. Just be your, I'll be his mouthpiece. So, because um, you all know this is not my favorite thing to do. <laughs> but that's why you're there. I know, I know. It's, it's why I'm here. And, um, and I just, just kind of a disclaimer, I have not perfected this in any way, shape, or form of not worrying, not being fearful. Um, it's, a, it's a journey. It's a process. It's um, learning how to take those thoughts captive when they come, and what do I do with those thoughts? Um, you know, the enemy always gives us something to worry about. You know, you have your kids at home, you worry about them, and then you have grandchildren, and then you get to worry about them. <laughs> I mean, it just, you think it's 
it'll be easier, there'll be less to worry about. But in reality, the enemy is always pursuing us with that worry or fear or anxiety. So why is it then when we are confronted with a problem, uh, bad news, circumstance, why do we go, oh yes, I forgot I have to hold this really close. <laughs> why, okay, shall I start over? Did you hear anything I said? Okay, um, so why do we, when we are given bad news, there's a circumstance or um, a problem, why does our flesh immediately go to worry? Well, I beg to say that it has to do with control. I think our fleshly response goes to the worry or the fear because we thou cannot control the situation or the circumstance or the bad news. Can I really change the outcome by worrying? Nope. Actually, when I spend time fearing and worry, it leads then to control. And the amount of time and sleep that is wasted on worrying and being afraid of something that I can't even control to begin with or may or may not ever happen. And nine times out of ten, it never happens. We spin a plate, a scenario in our head. You know, you hear something, you get some news. Oh, I'll just use this for example. Mavery gets sick, you know, and where does Grandma's Mimi's mind go? You know, you start falling this rabbit hole in this, and it's a dark hole. And you have to immediately go, nope, God's got this. He's protecting her, and I have to take my thoughts captive. So we can waste a lot of time and a lot of sleep on um, something that is out of your control to begin with. On top of that, what does it do to our physical bodies? Because chronic uh, stress, chronic worry, emotional stress, it can trigger a whole host of health problems. And this is what hurts my heart the most, is lastly and, and, and sadly, when I am worrying, I'm anxious, I'm fearful, it's really showing my faithlessness in God. It's saying what Jesus did on the cross wasn't enough. And that hurts my heart that I, that's what I'm saying when I worry or have fear or anxious about something. Um, I think it's really appropriate that we identify and acknowledge that fear is a sin and worrying is a sin. Jesus is clear and he commands us not to worry. In Luke 12, 22, Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat, or about your body, or what you're going to wear. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, do not be anxious. I love, this is my go-to scripture all the time when I get anxious or fearful or worrisome. Do not be anxious about anything, but in some situations, no, with every situation, with prayer and petition or supplication, with thanksgiving, we have to always remember to be thankful. Thanking God for his goodness, his kindness, his faithfulness. He's provided in the past. He's going to provide again. And present your request to God. He wants to hear it. He already knows it, but he likes to have a conversation with you. And the peace of God 
that transcends all of our understanding will guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. And then there's Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? There is that word again, commanded. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So why do we worry? We worry about things we can't control. Most of our worry is a control issue. So then we have to ask the question, who or what is in control of my life? We say God's in control, but we actually live like we're in control. So when we're faced with things that are beyond our control, then that's where the fear and the worry come in. And then Eric's now going to share. Control issue. Did you hear what she said? Yes. Control issue. So I want to I want to dive into what the Lord began to put in my heart as I began to contemplate, meditate on this, saying, "God, my own fears, bringing them before the Lord." Here's what the Lord put in my heart, and I think this is profound. It was for me. It may not be as powerful to you, but the Lord said that fear and worry is misplaced trust. He said, fear is the fruit of pride. There you go, Eric, how is it the fear, fruit of pride? See, when we start to feel fear and the spirit of fear tries to begin to manipulate you, what that spirit is trying to do is to get you to take control yourself. And when we are the ones in control, we are the ones in pride. Are you with me? So what the spirit of fear does is it, gets you, it, it, it attempts to get you in fear so that you will begin to try to figure things out on your own. Are you with me? So, Fear moves in, worry moves in, and fear begins to lie to you, and it begins to say, hey, Eric, you, you got this. You can do you're, you're in control. Eric, you, you need to take control right here. You need to take charge. You need to fix this. You need to change this. You, you get, need to get in there and take care of this problem, and people will let you take care of their problems. Or if you're in the freeze mode, you may even, the fear may go, oh, no, Man, run, run, run. Don't get involved. Get run, run from it. And you may take off. You may freeze. You may, you may fawn and you may start being real nicey-nicey to everybody because you're trying to get the fear away. But do you realize that fight, flight, freeze, and fawning is all your attempt to take control? It's your attempt to get fear away from you. It's your attempt to get fear off of you because what you're trying to do is you're trying to relieve yourself of the fear. And the fear is actually coming from the demonic realm. Most of the time, he's trying to seduce you with fear. So fear's focus, worry's focus is who? You. Fear's attempt is to get you focused on you. Your self-protection. 
your family protection, your job protection, your, your financial protection, your protecting of your relationships, your protecting of your stuff. Fear and worry is the fruit of pride and it's misplaced trust. Fear's goal is to make you trust yourself in the fight. To trust yourself in the flight. To trust yourself in the freeze. To trust yourself in the fawning so that you can push back the fear. I propose to you that we worry because we don't trust God. Did you hear that? We worry because we don't trust God. Actually, what worry does is worry actually shows you the size of your God. When you're worrying and you're afraid, it's actually showing the revelation that you have of your God. And your God's way too small. So what you're doing, because your God's too small, fear then seduces you to take charge yourself. Fight, fight, freeze, whatever the response is going to be. And I understand that in fight, flight, freeze, and fawning, there's other things like self-medication. There's other things that we go to in order to push the fear away. If I get drunk, I get high, I get this, I get that, I can actually push the fear away. Is that not the flesh's way to deal with fear? But Jesus says, no, no, no. I don't want you, my people, again, to operate with fear, to allow a spirit of fear to seduce you. But we have to bring those thoughts, as Karen says, captive. We have to bring the worry, the fear, into alignment with, with God. And he's teaching us to renew our minds. He's teaching us, he's allowing us that when fear comes, he's actually showing you. When fear comes, that's your warning sign. Something's not right in Dodge. So the cure, when your mind goes haywire with fear, and you got to catch yourself, you got to start saying, no, 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 my God is bigger. Everybody say, my, my God is bigger. One of the things that the Lord put in my heart is that even the word father, yes, it means Abba, it means Papa, but it also means source. God is our source. He is our strong tower, and the righteous run into him in the time of trouble. There's no problem too big for God, but there is problems too big for Eric. So in the process where we want to take go today is to give you the four steps that you need to go in breaking this off of you where you begin to get a bigger revelation of God, where you begin to allow God to be your source, that you begin to lean heavily into him. And here we're going to give you four things of what you need to do and what you need to do to slay this giant of worry. And I just wanted to add a little bit to her control thing that the Lord put in my heart as we go into the four things that we need to do in order to slay the giant. So Karen, are you ready to slay some, some giants, baby? Here comes my giant killer, Karen Haler. <laughs>
All right. So we've talked a lot about worry, what it is, and but it's now this 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 is the action plan. What do how do we do it? And um, so I say we need to um, fight against the sin of worry by taking captive every thought, which is Second Corinthians ten three through five. And I looked up the word captive, and it means to lock up, to restrain, to confine. So when the fear and the worry comes, we need to lock it up. We need to restrain it. And the only way that it's going to have access to it is if we allow it to have access again. Because, again, yes, we are to bring every thought captive. In 2 Corinthians 10 through 5, it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we demolish the arguments and every pretension that set up, sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive. We hold it. We, we restrain it. And we take every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So when those intrusive thoughts come, we need to take them captive. So, for example, I'm going to use an example that just happened recently to me. Um, my daughter-in-law, Ryan Haler, came to me, and she's like, I really feel like we're supposed to open up the preschool classroom. And my immediate thought was fear. Oh, my gosh, you know, we're never going to find enough people to open it up. And so then that then triggers my freeze part of me, and the freeze part of me then says, well, we just won't do anything because people are going to tell you no. And then also what gets triggered is the, um, what's the, oh. fight, the fight, the fight one. And I, I get a little angry. I get frustrated because I'm like, why are you people telling me no? <laughs> this is what we're called to. We're called to raise up the next generation. And so I have to take those thoughts captive when they come. And I have to go back to and remind myself of all the times that God has provided in the past, those stones that we have stacked of his provision. And I remind myself of those things, of how he's provided over and over for me and for children's ministry, even in my own life, just other things. Um, I remind myself that he's my daddy and that he will take care of this, that he loves me, and that I trust him, and I have the power of the Holy Spirit to take captives those worrisome and anxious and fearful thoughts. Um, I love in Luke 12:32, we already kind of touched on it once before, but it says, do not be afraid, little flock. I love that word, little flock, because to me, it's, it's intimate, and it's we're just like little baby sheep that needs to be taken care of. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Wow. That's a whole lot. His kingdom. And what is his kingdom for children's ministry? It's raising up the next generation to be passionate, radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God and people. So then I have to go on to pray 
until I get God's peace. Philippians 4.7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guards my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. Pray till you get the peace. Sometimes it doesn't come right away, but you got to be persistent with your prayer. So I took my thoughts captive, leaned into Christ, and I began asking God for the workers. Actually, Ryan is doing that, but I'm standing with her and helping her along with that. Thanking God and revisiting all those past stones that we have stacked, and he's provided over and over, and then the peace comes. So Karen said, bring your thoughts captive. Point number one was bring every thought captive, cage it, trap it, do not let it advance, bring it down. The second one that she said, but she didn't make it a real strong point, was the second thing is we must lean into your relationship with God. There's this thing where she leaned into God. She leaned into his faithfulness. She reminded herself of his goodness. So you, you encourage yourself in the Lord, and you encourage yourself in him that he's your papa, he's your daddy, he cares for you. So that's, that was the second point that she made. And then the third point was that Philippians 4 where you, 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 you pray and you persist in prayer until peace comes. You've got to pray and press into the presence of God. You've got to worship him. Sometimes you've got to get worship music on. When you're in fear, sometimes you've got to clear your head and get worship on. You get into the word and you begin to pray and get into the presence of God until peace comes and fear moves out. And then the fourth one I want, to, I, want to, I want to land the plane on is the fourth one that Jesus taught in this, this, this passage in chapter 12 was seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, in Luke 12, it actually says, uh, seek first his kingdom. In, in Matthew 6, the other part in it where Matthew shares it, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So the fourth thing that you have to do in, in slaying the giant of worry and fear is you have to transfer kingdoms. You have to transfer from your kingdom to God's kingdom. You have to transfer the priority of your life from your comfort and your ease to God's kingdom, his righteousness, his way of doing things. See, our kingdom, and when we're in fear and we're in worry, our kingdom is what is reigning right now. We're wanting something and we're wanting it our way. And so not only does fear show you the size of your God, it also shows you the size of your idol. When you're in fear, you're actually having an idol that is in front of God. For us, often it's our children. What do you think a helicopter parent is? We're not helicopter parents by any stretch. But helicopter parents are helicopter parents because what? Because they want to control their kids. Because they're afraid their kids are going to go what? Haywire. Nuts. Cuckoo. 
Why do we worry about finances? Because finances have become an idol and we're worried about it. So there's this thing of seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek God. We, have to, we can't be divided. Because even the word worry, in the root word of the word worry, it is to divide and to tear. And what you're doing is you're dividing and you're tearing between two kingdoms. Your kingdom and God's kingdom. When, when you're in worry and fear, it's just because you're worried about what you want. Why are there fights and quarrels among you? Is it not because you want something and you don't get it? And so what we're trying to do with worry and fear is we're trying to take control and we're trying to bring our kingdom into this equation versus God's kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So again, worry and fear is actually showing you where your idol is and that you're in a kingdom of yourself. And so we have to transfer kingdoms. We have to transfer and we have to put our kingdom of ease. Oh gosh, church, if there's not a kingdom in the United States of America of I want everything easy, I want everything nice, I don't want there to be any problems, I don't want to work hard. May in fact, I'll work harder getting out of work than working. Oh, work makes me feel overwhelmed. I can only put 10 hours a week in because I have to do this too. Dear God, we want everything easy because we're in a different kingdom. And God says, I'm calling you to my kingdom. I'm calling you to the kingdom of righteousness. I'm calling you to a kingdom of doing things my way, not your own. He's wanting an army. He's wanting a family who will say, I will work for the kingdom of God. I will do it his way. I will go his way. I will do what he wants. I will surrender and I will transfer my kingdom of what I want. And I will give that kingdom up and I will forsake it for his kingdom. I'm telling you, that's what Christianity is about. That's what a lifestyle being surrendered to the lordship of Christ is. It's giving him your all. There is no part-time Christianity. There is no compartmentalized Christianity. There are people who think they are born again, but they are all about their kingdom. They only want God to help them out of a jam, but they are not living for his kingdom. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the fourth thing is you've got to transfer kingdoms. All hands on deck. You got to start serving other people. You got to start sacrificing for others. Jesus is saying the cure for worry and fear is, is to get your thoughts off yourself and your comfort and your ways and start working to advance my kingdom, my fame, my ways, my work, my salvation. Wherever you go, you bring God's kingdom. Whether it's at work, whether it's at the grocery, whether it's the game, whether it's at school, whether it's gas station. If you do this and it's your number one goal in life, then he says, I will take care of all your needs according to my riches and my glory. They will just happen. They will fall into place. Because he says, do not be afraid, little flock. I agree. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sometimes we want the kingdom without yielding to the king. We want the benefits of the kingdom without being surrendered to the king. 
Jesus was giving his disciples. Wisdom on how to slay this giant of worry. They were worried about their food and they were worried about their clothes. Oh, ye little faith. Four things. Bring every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. Make my thoughts his thoughts. That's why we do the word around here. That's why we're focusing on the word. All the scriptures that Karen just shared today were from the reservoir inside of her as she was studying Luke chapter 12. These scriptures of 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, these scriptures of, of, of Philippians, they began to come out of her and they were, she was reminded of them because we war with the word. She was bringing her thoughts into captivity. Why is Philippians 4? So be ye anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, make your request known to God, and the peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ. Jesus, why do we have it memorized? Because I've been anxious, friends. Why do I have that memorized? Because I've needed it in my time of trouble. I've had to cage my mind in anxious thoughts and go, no, 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 no. I'm not going to be anxious. But by prayer and supplication, I'm going to bring these requests to Almighty God because he's my source and the peace that passes all understanding. Oh, Eric, why are you at such peace when that crap is going on with Joe's legs? Oh, man, yes, I'm in fear, but boy, golly, I'm turning my heart toward the source. I'm turning my heart toward the source. Oh, why are you not? Oh, it's a peace that passes all understanding. Oh, the world tells you you got to be weak, freak, weak and freak. Oh, I don't have to be weak and freak. I don't have to get my bowels in an uproar. I can, I can keep, keep, keep going on. I can have a peace that passes all understanding. Because it guards my heart. And it guards my mind. I loved what Lincoln said. Lincoln said, Shalom. Let your peace come with you and let it go with you. Everywhere you go. Bring your thoughts captive. Lean into your relationship with God and his faithfulness as you stack stones and remind yourself of the goodness of God. Persist in prayer until you get his peace and make sure you switch kingdoms and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Please stand up with me. We're going to pray. If you don't mind, Clayton put on some music. We'll see what the Lord wants to do here. I'll show you your action plan after we pray. You'll want to take a picture of it. It's 12 o'clock. Good job, Karen. We landed the plane okay. You did. Love you. Thank you for confronting fear in your life. Thank you for not letting it overtake you. Let's just pray. Let's close our eyes if you don't mind. Let's pray. I want to ask you something today. Don't worry about your neighbor. Don't worry about what's going on. Don't worry about the El Chili's or Los Amigos or anything like that. Just go ahead and kick that out right now. We need to do business with God, right? We're in a different kingdom. We're not in the kingdom of what we're going to eat or what we're going to wear right now, right? Hey, let's get serious with God right now. As your eyes are closed, how will you respond today? to the Spirit of God when it comes to fear and worry. Has fear kept you focused on yourself? 
Has fear kept you in a control freak mode where you're controlling things? Are you struggling at sleeping at night? Is your mind racing? Are you irritable? Are you struggling in your relationships? Does panic get a hold of you? Do you try to micromanage things? Maybe people have said, man, you're a control freak. You like to control everything. Well, my question is, is are you giving in to the sin of worry and fear? Are you allowing that spirit to seduce you? Are you giving in to it? And if the spirit of God is convicting you right now of areas of your life, would you just quietly confess it to God and say, God, I confess my sin of worry and fear. I confess my sin of control and manipulation and just ask him to forgive you right now. Would you do business with God right now? Would you respond to him? It's not a way of life. You do not have to live this way. It isn't normal for God's people. Father, forgive me. Lord, I confess my sin of worry and fear. Forgive me for cooperating with that spirit. Forgive me for allowing that spirit to seduce me. I'm more informed now, God. I understand you're wanting me to do things differently now. I will do things differently. I want to slay my giant of fear and worry. Just tell him that. Get real with your God. The other thing I want to do today is I want to take authority over a spirit of fear that's seducing our young people, that's seducing the body of Christ. It came in with COVID and it's going to go out. It just was magnified by COVID. And if you think you're struggling with fear on a large scale and you want freedom, I say, Today's a day of freedom in Jesus' name. Yeah. Mm. You sensing anything, Karen? You sensing anything in the spirit? Okay. Well, what we're going to do, we're going to take authority over a spirit of fear. And I'm going to say, and I'm going to pray some things. And I want you to say it out loud. I want you to take your own authority. I'm just giving you an example of what you need to do in order to push back the spirit of fear and torment. Are you guys with me? Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over a spirit of fear. In the powerful name of Jesus, the Lord rebuke you. Spirit of fear, leave. You cannot have me. I am not yours. And I give you an eviction notice. And I command you, in the name of Jesus, you must leave me now. You must leave me now. 
I rebuke you. I take authority over you by the shed blood of Jesus. And I say, leave now. I am blood bought. I am blood saved. Blood saved. And I am all his. Now go in Jesus' name. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. I have a sound mind in Christ. And I surrender myself to his lordship today. I belong to you, Jesus. I give you my life. I say yes to your ways. I say yes to your kingdom. And again today, I transfer kingdoms. And I, believe to, and I belong to the kingdom of heaven. And I will do things your way. I will not do it my way. And I thank you for your forgiveness. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Let's give the Lord some praise.